We are Grumpy Old Angry Tech Ben's News. I already screwed that one. This is episode 43 of the Angry Tech News Podcast for Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. This is the Angry Tech News Podcast at angrytechnews.com. Now your host, the angry programmer with a mic, Brian Benrose. So Darren O'Neill is out today and uh, this was very disappointing to me because I had meant to do, uh, I, I came very, very ready to do a show with him about, uh, well, the Grumpy Old Benz, if you haven't heard, is a show that I do with Darren O'Neill. He is a very prolific podcaster who has lots of shows, but I only have the one. I have Angry Tech News, which only comes out once in a while. Um, I'm trying to make it weekly. I'm trying to work on it. And I have Grumpy Old Benz, which is the one where I work out all of my anger. And we missed last week on Grumpy Old Benz because I didn't, well, I, I was in Hawaii. Um, I, you know, as, as the joke always goes, um, we went away to a better place. And the better place was I was visiting my mom. The place is amazing. Hawaii in November is just as beautiful as Hawaii in the summer or summer anywhere else. So it was a nice departure. The circumstance is not so good. My mom is sick, so uh, wish her luck. I hope uh, I, I, she's getting better, so things are getting better. But what I missed when, uh, when we didn't do a show from the uh, top of the mountain uh, was coming out, you know, in every grumpy old Benz, I start with, uh, you know, from America's left coast. And I wanted to use the line from 1,500 feet above sea level on the side of the biggest mountain on earth. I'm Ryan Bemrose. So I, I, I didn't get an opportunity to uh, bring, I, I, I did my usual Grumpy Old Ben's thing where I make notes and I, uh, you know, come up with a bunch of tech stories to bring. And then Darren just ignores the tech stories. And then he brings a bunch of political stories that I'm prepared to fully ignore. And I came here this time with a story really, really made me irrationally angry. And I wanted to talk about it on Grumpy Old Ben's. Um, but I'll I'll do a very quick. It had to do with the died suddenly uh, documentary that recently came out. Um, it's only available on on the small media platforms because it's the kind of content that would get instantly censored off of YouTube and never even acknowledged by the mainstream. Well, it came out and the mainstream is definitely acknowledging it because if you look up died suddenly, you're going to get a story from every single news platform in the world saying how it's all you know, misinformation and, and it's lies and it's terrible. And, um, frankly, it has firsthand accounts from real whistleblowers and it has actual video. Some of which I was actually, well, it was very uncomfortable to me. The, I didn't, the presentation of the documentation or documentary was a little over the top. It felt kind of propagandistic. Maybe that's what people needed, but the gist of it is, uh, the MRNA vaccines continue to kill people. And how often it, it how you know, how often you get the vaccine determines how quickly your veins are filling up with this really nasty, squicky blood clot material. And they showed way too much. I'm 
I generally consider myself to have a very strong stomach, but this didn't work for me. Um, I, I actually, my, my butt clenched a little bit. However, if you can get past this quickie bits, there's some real solid data about the all causes mortality. Uh, the timelines completely line up. There's information that is being kept from you. If the only thing you watch is the corporate controlled media, the last bit goes into uh, what is generally considered a widely considered to be a conspiracy theory about the depopulation agenda from all the elites who want to kill six billion of us and leave only less than a billion people on Earth. Um, that's going to be the hardest bit to swallow for anybody who has not been listening to the people say over and over again they want to do this. OK, enough with that. That was my one big grumpy old Ben story that I needed to bring. And Darren, who, uh, you know, again, I, I'm sure he would love to have listened to me rant and let me go on and on and even made fun of me if I got quiet and told me I was going off to pee or something. He can't be here. He's under the weather. Uh, fine. So let's go ahead and do what I usually do with just the tech stories. You, I promise you no more politics for the rest of this, but you are going to encounter something different, which is you're going to learn why on angry tech news, I script out the whole show on grumpy old Ben's. I just build some notes of bits of information, things that I want to hit. And then I ramble and the difference is stark. Angry tech news. I try to keep in the 15 to 20 minute range. Sometimes it goes as low as 12. Every once in a while I go to 25, but uh, I try to keep it short. I try to keep it snappy. I try to hit it over and over. Just, you know, let's you know hit all the points and get out because I'm trying to respect your time. Grumpy old Ben's we're filling two hours. And frankly, I enjoy having long conversations where I rant a lot. I'm going to do this one from notes. Mostly I have uh let's, you're, you're going to see the difference because the first two stories that I have, I scripted and then the rest are going to be done from notes and you're going to, you're going to see the difference. And then you're going to be like, yes, sir, Bemrose, we do want you to spend all of your time scripting out and, and typing it up and making all the text and prose perfect because you sound like an idiot when you're just ad libbing. So with further ado. <laughs> From the Bubble Defense Department, Reddit, the social media site that thinks it's a news aggregator, has proudly announced a new filtering feature which allows users to mute specific subreddits. This story was very confusing to me at first because back when I was a regular Reddit user, before their censorship and bias exceeded my tolerance, I filtered out any subreddit that I wasn't interested in by the simple expedient of not visiting that part of the site. But I learned there are certain parts of the site, the all and popular settings of the home feed in particular, that are populated by a naive algorithm that fills them with stories from the site, which are well popular. This kind of rational, uncomplicated algorithm does not capture the nuance desired by most Reddit users whom, when they say all stories, what they mean is all stories that fit into my information bubble and confirm my preconceived biases, a much more difficult computing problem. So this is Reddit's solution. If a community doesn't conform to your bubble, you can exclude that specific community from your all feed and still imagine that you're viewing a feed from all of Reddit. Isn't that great? The only problem with this solution is you have to specifically set, select which subreddits to exclude from your feed, meaning you have to know about them before you can exclude them, which kind of defeats the purpose of pretending that they don't exist. And if you live in a particularly restrictive information bubble, there can be quite a lot of subs to exclude. The feature announcement proudly points out that you can mute up to a thousand communities from your awareness, 
which suggests that they believe there are people who would want to mute that many. I'm sure the feature that people actually want on Reddit is, is the very simple, just mute all right-wing subs or mute all of the climate deniers or simply mute anyone who is skeptical of this thing that I believe in. And to be honest, there's a good chance that Reddit is working on that one right now. From the, the only real privacy is offline department. Gizmodo reported last week on an interesting find by researchers at security firm MISC, who studied Apple iPhones and discovered just how much they respect their user choice when it comes to privacy and that sweet, sweet analytic data. Buried in the settings on the iPhone is a feature called Analytics, which is on by default and signals your willingness to let Apple know everything you do on your phone. Every app you run, every service you connect to, every control tap, every swipe, and every word you enter on the keyboard, you are giving Apple permission to record, store, and analyze that information. And it's on by default. The idea behind having the setting, the idea behind collecting the information is that Apple wants to make your experience better. That's why they get everything you type on the keyboard. That's why they get, maybe they do that. To me, the feature disturbs me, but the idea behind having a setting at all is in theory, you can turn it off. The button in the settings app says that disabling the setting will quote, disable the sharing of device analytics altogether, which sounds like they're not going to send analytics anymore, doesn't it? But that's not what happens. According to these researchers, while monitoring an iPhone's network traffic, they found that the analytics control and other privacy settings had quote, no obvious effect on Apple's data collection. Instead, the tracking remained the same, whether iPhone analytics was switched on or off. Researchers detected that this behavior in, in the minimum, they detected it in the app store, the music app, the TV app, the books and the stocks app, but they said it probably exists on every in, inbox app on the phone. As a company, Apple enjoys a reputation for respecting user privacy, especially when compared with their mobile competitor, Google, whose explicit business model is to extract as much private user data as they can get and sell it. And of course, Apple's marketing plays this up, which is probably why at least one Apple user felt betrayed enough to file a lawsuit against the company over this or this release. The lawsuit, which is seeking class action status, accuses Apple of violating California's Invasion of Privacy Act, aka their wiretapping law, which requires the consent of all parties to record any, quote, confidential information. It's an interesting approach. I personally don't know how they're going to argue that analytics data constitutes a conversation but I guess I wish them luck if they want to get their day in court. I no doubt, I have no doubt that the lawyers involved have thoroughly studied the applicable laws and believe they've found the necessary loopholes. From the what security department? Uh, this one came actually, the stories from last September, iOS apps hard coding AWS credentials. The Symantec threat hunting team found, and when analyzing apps in the iOS app store, 1,859 apps that contain hard-coded AWS credentials. AWS is the back-end servers for all of the things when, when there's a app with a cloud server somewhere that, you know, it stores your information in the cloud, stores it online, whatever. All of these apps that need some kind of storage off your phone AWS is a very, very popular choice and AWS is rented server space. And in order to get in, you need credentials for your AWS. Um, the way that you're supposed to do this, and I know this cause I'm a programmer, despite not really programming much these days, 
is you are supposed to keep a secret file that you do not publish with your source code and you do not pub and, and keep that file encrypted. And that has your credentials, but no 77% of these 1,859 apps contained valid tokens that could be easily extracted from the apps to access private cloud services. 874, um, nearly half over half, you know, nearly half contain tokens to instances containing live databases that had millions of records that the threat hunters were actually able to log into. They didn't exfiltrate data because they're white hats. But here's some other examples from Symantec's threat analysis. A business-to-business -business company providing intranet communication services to 15,000 clients released an SDK containing AWS keys exposing all of their private customer data. An identity auth SDK used by several banking apps, which exposed name, date of birth, and biometric fingerprint scans of every customer. A sports betting platform used by 16 different online gambling apps that they could find exposed admin access via their AWS keys to their entire infrastructure to anyone who wanted to download the app. This is one of my favorite kinds of vulnerabilities because it or, or favorite kinds to rant about. It's not my favorite kind of vulnerability called supply chain vulnerability. Developers are, let's face it. Developers are lazy people and it has only got worse since I started developing many decades ago. Devs nowadays don't like to write components by themselves because the first time it's well, first time you write something, there's always bugs in it. So, in order to get around that, devs love just using off-the-shelf components without understanding or analyzing them. They just say, oh, somebody already wrote something that does this. Let's grab it. And when there's a vulnerability in that, which is less likely because of the many eyes theory, it's less likely that there's bugs in it. But when there is a bug, it hits a lot more people. And this is where supply chain attacks usually come from. It's really easy to just grab an off-the-shelf component. The off-the-shelf component, okay. The other problem that's going on here is it's really easy when you're developing to hard code your credentials. It's really hard when you're developing to build in before your first test of your infrastructure, uh, some kind of encryption to enforce separation of credentials. So if you know you are the only person who's ever going to use this particular test build, you just put the credentials into the code, right? Who doesn't do that? The problem is of course, that by the time several months later, you've done all your coding, you don't fix it before the shipping. You ship the code. Who's going to know? Well, apparently uh, some white hats at Symantec are going to know. And who knows how many black hats are going to know? The real problem with security vulnerabilities like that is that the victims of these bugs are not the coders who caused the problem. The victims of the bugs are the people who use your packages because that's whose data is going away. So. If you love blindly downloading things from the iOS app store, well, good luck and may God have mercy on your soul. From the universal serial bandwagon department, India is poised to follow the EU's example in requiring USB-C charging for all smart devices going forward. Uh, they specifically called out smartphones, earbuds, and smart watches. Earbuds concern me a little. USB-C is a small port, but it's not so small that you wouldn't be taking up a pretty large amount of space in your earbuds for that. But I guess they've got their reasons. This comes from uh, 
not so much an announcement, but a conference, some mentioning at a conference from Rohit Kumar Singh, Secretary of Department Consumer of Consumer Affairs in India, who indicated that the country is going this way. The just for reference, the European Union voted to do exactly the same thing last year, and in a move that went into effect in October, all phones sold in the European Union right now are required to have USB-C charger. Now, who's affected by this? Well, Apple, obviously. Uh, Apple are basically the only ones who didn't jump onto USB-C to, to USB charging when it was just a standard, which is kind of why the EU, who have absolutely no qualms about building legislation just to target one person, said, no, everybody has to use USB-C. Apple complained a lot and finally reluctantly announced uh, last month that there will be a USB-C port on, ev on every iPhone sold in the European Union, which I guess is pretty useful for them considering that they're, the alternative is that they get fined a lot of money and the EU do not mess about with their fines, sometimes in the billions of dollars. I don't know if that particular USB-C phone is coming to the U.S. or if Apple's going to continue to make Thunderbolt chargers for everybody who isn't the EU and now, I guess, India. Uh, USB-C is not as good as Thunderbolt in some ways. The Thunderbolt 3 specification is, has some features that Apple really likes, and they always talk them up uh, whenever they go into a press release. But... USB 4, which is in fact based on, US, on Thunderbolt 3, is poised to surpass Thunderbolt in every way and has the benefit of using the USB Type-C connector. In fact, it requires the Type-C connector. You can't use any other connector but USB-C. So when USB 4 comes about, there will be no technical excuse for continuing to use Thunderbolt. So we'll see what Apple does. They tend to be tr dramatically stubborn about wanting to stick to proprietary technologies that they want, but this doesn't look like the fight they're going to win. India, another thing that was called out, was they do not want to be a dumping ground for obsolete phones. That uh, as, as everybody moves to USB-C, all of the phones that are not USB-C are getting sold in countries that don't have this requirement. So that was one of the reasons they're like, well, we don't want just obsolete phones. We want the new cutting-edge phones. So I guess... I guess legislation to require it, sure. Well, okay. Uh, in the U.S., which is a country that I live in, therefore I tend to be interested, uh, the Senate members made noises last June about also standardizing on USB-C. This is different from a Secretary of Department of Consumer Affairs declaring it's going to happen. The U.S. Senate doesn't actually accomplish anything most of the time. So I don't know how much they'll get done. I look, If it happens, I look forward to it. But um, they, they may not be able to find time to dedicate that in between passing face diaper mandates, indoctrinating our children, and shipping our tax money to corrupt foreign nations. From the delayed energy department last month, as long as we're hammering on Apple, because that seems to be what I'm doing today, just a lot of Apple stories, get used to it. Last month, Apple announced a ton of new features in iOS 16. One of the little noticed features that crept into the OS was something called clean energy charging, which delays charging the iPhone until a time when the grid is green. Now, in classic Apple fashion, or fashion, they don't say what that means. They just say you're, you know, only when your energy is green. Maybe there's an LED coming in your wall outlet. I'm not sure. But we can assume that it, what it really means is when this feature is active, your phone will only charge if you 
leave it on overnight. The, the classic rhetoric around green energy is peak time energy, which is always evenings, uh, early afternoon, evening, when people are coming home from work is not green because that's when the grid has the most demand on it. And when the grid has the most demand, then all of your green energy types like solar and wind cannot keep up with it. And that's when every energy company that doesn't want to riot on their hands will fire up the natural natural gas generators so that they can get a little bit extra boost. And that the natural gas generators fire up every single day is one of those things that you don't get in the green brochure. What this means really, I think, and, and again, Apple doesn't explain what green means other than, you know, it really feels good to turn your phone to green is that if you plug it in after work, I think the phone is going to refuse to charge. Um, I think that if you want power in your phone and this feature is on, you're going to have to leave it on overnight because in the wee hours of the morning, um, the solar actually, you know what? Solar doesn't work in the wee hours of the morning. I don't know when, when they think it's green, but it's going to charge on its own time and not on your time, which means that you just have to leave it plugged in for a while and keep checking the battery level to see if it, if, if your phone deigned to allow you the peasant to charge it, you know, when technology owning your life anyway. So by the way, I just point out it would in fact be your phone would be far more green if you just shut the damn thing off and left it in a drawer all the time. But I don't really mean to go all John C. Dvorak on you. So this green charging does have a feature, a switch in settings. You can shut it off, but you can only shut it off if you know the setting is there. The people don't know the setting is there. And, and I think I, I don't know if this is going to be on by default. There was very little information. Uh, but if it is on by default, there's going to be a lot of calls to customer service and visits the genius bar. How come my phone won't charge? I plugged it in right after I got home from work. Well, you know what, Apple, you get to deal with that, don't you? So we'll see what happens. Now, there is an upside to this feature. It does, in fact, display a very neat diagram showing you which clean energy sources your power is coming from. So you gives you a really big, warm feeling in the pit of your heart when you're suffering from a dead battery that refused to charge. Okay, huge angry thank you and hugs to, uh, first of all, to Vox, who donated $100 to this show, the biggest donation I've had in 43 episodes. Thank you very much for that. Apparently, she doesn't realize that I kind of stopped doing episodes consistently a while ago. So please, 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 nobody tell her. Also, thank you to Baron Spud the Mighty, Raymond Zorger, Steve Edwards, and Curtis Peterson for their continued support of this show. I know I'm not being very consistent. Didn't, didn't put one out intentionally while I was in Hawaii. I was having too much fun to get angry, so I just didn't podcast while I was there. Plus, I didn't have the good microphone. I want to know how you've, what you guys think about this show. Uh, like I said, the first two stories I had fully scripted out. The rest of them were notes, grumpy old Ben style. And what it meant was you definitely heard some ramp rambling. So uh, let me know if that's what you want going forward. I don't think it's quite as a polished a product. I'm looking at it. I'm at 26 minutes on this recording right now, which is way longer and definitely doesn't follow the respecting your time. But I did want to get the stories in at least. Anyway, another bit that's scripted, Angry Tech News is produced on the value for value model. We don't take sponsors, we don't take play ads, and we do not charge you to listen. 
but we are funded by your donations. So if you received some value from listening to this show, please send some value back. Go to angrytechnews.com and click on the donate button. Send what you think this episode was worth to you, whether it's $9, $99, or the big 100. That's it for now. I'm Ryan Bemrose, the Angry Programmer with a mic. I'll be back next time with more Angry Tech News. This has been Angry Tech News with the Angry Programmer, Ryan Bemrose at angrytechnews.com. Stay angry. Stay angry. Stay angry. And that's what we call a show. Uh, I go ahead and stop recording. Usually I edit at this point. uh, One of the things that goes into my one of the things that goes into my process usually at this point is uh, um, I do, I do a lot of my recordings um, when, when I do them, I have people like Bemlet who are in the, the discord chat with me because we do, uh, we do gaming. And sometimes I'm like, no, I can't play another Starcraft game. Cause I really have to get this podcast out. Actually, that's not true. Starcraft wins over the podcast every time, but I'll leave the discord mic open while I'm recording this most of the time. Cause so I kind of do it live, but it's to a very small audience. It's usually uh Bemlet and my friend, Rachel. And uh, this is usually the time when I stop and start chatting with them about what they hear because they are muted for the whole show because we don't need that coming in. Uh, but about 50% of the time Bemlet has got, some reaction to some story because Bemlet works in a place that is tech adjacent. He, he works in sales of technology products and he is the one who gets to deal with these products and then see the end users struggling with the products all the time. And this is the part of the show where sometimes I leave it recording and he will just go off about one story. And I, I don't know that Bemlet has as good uh, Bem rants as I get. Cause you know, if, if you listen to grumpy old Ben's, you, you have experienced some quality Bem rants, but it's fresh. It's refreshing to me to hear that level of rant. Cause he is a Bem Rose to hear that level of rant coming. And it's not coming out of my own mouth. And so every once in a while I will go ahead and drop a Bem rant. Like we're, I'm sitting here editing and he is just going off and And I stop and I'm like, okay, let's just keep recording this. And sometimes, and if you're a longtime Angry Tech News listener, you've heard a few of these. I can't help but recording those. He lets go and I just drop it in after the the playout music. So if you're the kind of person who hears the playout music is like, skip next, then, then, well, you're not hearing this anyway. But uh, I I don't know if Bemlet's going to listen to this part. I need more of those. I. I like when he decides to let go, especially his best rants also come when he's about three whiskeys in, which uh, he's, he's a big guy. Three whiskeys does not dull him very much, but it removes the inhibitions. And I appreciate that. 